0: Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this new episode of Inspiring Our World. My name is Julie Tara and I am your host here, and I'm super excited today to have a great friend of mine, we've known each other 33 years, I was counting today, my friend, Nancy Alawas. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Such a pleasure, Julie, great to be here.
0: Yeah, this is an exciting topic we're going to cover here on Holistic Approaches to Weight Management. And I know you are an expert in this arena and you have many certifications. I was looking and looking back, I mean, I I have some of them here like Swedish Institute of Massage. And and I do remember having massage with you. It was amazing. Uh, Macrobiotics and Holistic Nutrition with Kushi Institute. You uh, worked with us at Nova Healing Arts and our healing arts in Colorado here with, uh, with natural medicine, of course, and nutrition. And then you studied at the Institute for Integrated Nutrition in New York City for health and nutrition counseling. So, And, you know, you really got into the coaching realm and then you went into the Institute for the psychology of eating, which we're going to really uh, focus on today. Uh, and becoming an eating psychology counselor, which I was looking at that and going, that sounds amazing. Eating psychology counselor. I love it. You've also been a teacher at the Culinary School of the Rockies here in Boulder, Colorado. I know you did that for a long time, and you're a chef. So you know your stuff. And that's why I'm so thrilled that we're going to have this conversation today about weight management, because this is a big issue. Many of us struggle with it. And, um, I know that we have some really key concerns, like in North America right now, we have 80% of the population in, in in USA is is overweight and about 40% is obese. So we have some some real problems here. And um, you know, I want to talk about this. I wanna unpack this with you. And so my thinking was maybe we could start with something you and I both love, uh, which is exercise and then move into more food and diets and that sort of thing. And what you think about, about all the different diets that are going on right now. And then the psychology of eating, which is gonna be um, fascinating. So I can't wait. So, right. Let's start with, let's start with exercise because we know activity is critical and we know it's age appropriate. We know hormones change, especially for women as we get older, metabolism slows. Tell us your thoughts about exercise.
1: Well, uh, you know, I think that it can be any imaginable type of thing as far as exercise goes. I mean, you cannot ask anyone to do movement that they don't like because it won't work and they'll stop doing it and they'll feel guilty. And, you know, so it has to be something that works for each individual and there's a million different ways to move. And it's also so age dependent and also gender dependent. You know, there's, there's so many variables in what would really feel good to each individual. I mean, I've, you know, I've hurt myself throughout my life, also trying to maybe exercise a little too much or do modalities that didn't really work for me. So I think we there's a certain finesse and poise that comes with figuring out what movement to do. But when in doubt, walk. I mean, if just simple walking, uh, particularly as people age, I think you know the running. I've I've actually stopped running. I, I ran for years. Uh, Walking is so fantastic. I think that if if you're gonna look at exercise in a broad term, you have to look at strength, flexibility, and cardiovascular. Those are really the kind of the three things. Uh, Cause you you need to do a little bit of kind of either yoga where you use your body resistance uh, or Pilates where you use your own body as resistance or lift light weights because that will keep osteoporosis you know at bay um, the cardiovascular piece is so critical because we've got to keep blood pumping through our arteries so that we don't get clogged and have, and have heart issues and then the flexibility piece is just critical so that we are not stiff and we can get out of a chair and we can get off the floor you know so many people end up sitting because they're in pain um so so i think those three things are critical and you just have to there is no one perfect answer but you gotta get up and get moving i move less now as i've aged
0: mm-hmm. and i don't
1: go straight up mountains like i used to but i definitely feel uh like every day even if it's just to walk around the block you know keep moving
0: so every day um as a discipline and uh, I mean, obviously it's a habit, right? You know, the more we do it, the, the better we like it, the better we feel, we see the benefits and so forth. Would you say about an hour a day? What kind of time frame would you give it?
1: Well, yeah, and I don't think an hour a day is particularly realistic for most people. I think if people do five days a week, you know where they do 45 minutes to an hour of some time i mean gardening you know um even walking the aisles of costco is amazing exercise you know it's just you just have to keep it moving but yes if you're striving for health you want to you know five to seven times a week, do a little combination. Like I, I turned my den into a, cause you know, when COVID hit, I quit going to the gym. I didn't, I didn't go as much, you know, it was just such an odd time. So I kind of turned one of the rooms in my house. I don't have a specified gym by any stretch, but I have a push the couch over and I put my little yoga mat out and I do like 10, 15 minutes of stretching. I do some, you know, lightweight things and then I go take a walk. You know, and and so it, it doesn't have to be complicated and there is no one perfect answer. So, so go inside and find something that works for you, I think is the key.
0: And what I hear you saying is that over time you've made just natural adjustments. You're going to, okay, this isn't working so, so well anymore. I think I'm going to shift like from running to maybe to jogging to walking you know these kinds yeah. of things i've noticed this myself like i i do like jogging but i actually my body doesn't like it very uh-huh. much. so so walking feels better i did a lot of yoga for years and especially through covid i was doing it every day you know and then after that time i i went back to pilates which i've been doing since 1995 i think 1993 we used um, to do that together in. That's right. That's right. And then I felt like that wasn't even working quite the same. So I shifted to gyrotonics, which is what uh-huh. I've been doing now. And I've been loving that from my spine and the spiralic movement. And, 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 and movement just, I think movement is life. Movement
1: mm-hmm. is
0: life. And the amount of, you know, they they say, you know, the sedentary position at a computer or whatever, which is what we're doing right this minute, but is is sort of like secondhand, is like smoking used to be, you know, like that problem of um, just sitting all the time. It's just not good for our pelvis or back and we need to get up and step away and go walk a little bit and come back and same for our eyes and have long distance sight versus just being fixed on a computer as well all day long, you know, it's just not... It's just not normal, it's not healthy. Um, right, and so many people are now working remotely. And you know,
1: my husband is a chiropractor, David, and he always said that it's not the people who are on ladders painting that he tends to see it's people who are sitting at desks all day. Because as you say, it, it's it's very tough on the body. And now they have standing desks and, and people are realizing that sitting is, is absolutely not, not the best. But, yeah. uh, and, and I wanna point out also, There's so much free content online. You can get free yoga classes, free Qigong classes. I do Qigong online with various people who put enormous amounts of free content out. So, you know, some people don't have the money to be able to go to classes and do private work, but there's a myriad of of resources online now.
0: That's a really a great, great point. I, you know, I remember I, I did buy something online that's a metabolic reset. And it was set for different ages according, and you filled out the whole kind of questionnaire and then they gave you the videos that were appropriate. And I, I aim to do that three times a week. I'm not always successful. And then gyrotonics the other three, so that's six days and then go walking and stuff. And, and that I notice a huge difference with that metabolic reset. And again, it's throwing my yoga mat down, you know, in my sitting room and putting the video on the computer and just following along, you know, for just like 20 minutes. And it goes through a variety of different things with light weights and, and some cardio and a lot of strength squats and stuff like that, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I really notice the difference in my body when I do it consistently. Yeah. And when I don't, yeah. I notice that too.
1: Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about exercise is that, you know, we, we always separate things into compartments, but but really the movement of the body create, creates brain chemistry that makes you less depressed, less anxious. So it's, it, it works so much on your emotional life not just your physical skeletal life uh so so if i, I would not be sitting here if i didn't move. i, I would be so delirious <laughs> so i i can't say much an, enough about start slow if you don't move and just just find your way
0: yes i love that i love that thanks and i wanted to kind of grab onto that first, just because I, I, I think it is so critical. And I know you and I, because we've known each other so long, we both love movement and and we have modified over the years. So, so thank you for, for that piece. And, um, and so with weight management, I want to look at a lot of it. Like I want to look at, there are so many different diets right now that are out there. Um, obviously, quantity of food versus, you know, because so, so many people just, you know, the quantity is too large and it would just be simple, you know, to just reduce the quantity, but not in a crazy way. Um, so I want to talk about this um, this whole arena of food. Uh, I've always been a, a proponent of organic food since I was in my early 20s, and I think you also. Um, but but now we've got you know whole foods, plant based. We've got keto, paleo. We have macrobiotics. We've got um, just the sad, the standard American diet, uh, of course. What are you thinking about about all this?
1: Mm, Tell me about food. Boy. You know, again, COVID has been terrible for the diet of Americans, Um, you know, food is comfort and uh, unfortunately, often the comfort foods that people choose are, you know, highly processed refined foods, full of sugar, uh, shelf stable oils, which are oils that are very bad for your heart uh, and your brain health. So. We just have so much working against us with the diet thing. And then the truth is, is there is no one perfect diet. Um, in my younger years, I followed every diet. I, I did everything from Atkins, which, uh, you know, remember in college, we all did Atkins and then of course, the paleo, the keto. Um, I believe that there's a pearl of wisdom in every modality. There is there, there's there's wisdom in all of it. And there's also Inappropriateness uh, for for large groups of people to try to follow extremely rigid diets. They won't work in the long run. The rebel uh, in us just comes out and says, no, I'm going to, you know, eat that bucket of popcorn and I don't care. You know, you just so you have to find a way to make friends with food and to find a path i love what you say to me moderation is the key is that you know it's difficult to put people on a rigid protocol particularly something like keto um keto is essentially if you look back it was to to treat very distinct um pathologies and it can be very effective in morbid obesity um certain medical situations to jumpstart a healing catharsis. But for the average person, it's irrational. Um, And over the long haul, it almost never works and people gain the weight back and then some. So I I never suggest it. Uh, Paleo, not much different. I mean, uh, so, so again, I like to say, a Mediterranean-style diet for me is what what I have chosen to do with with my life, which is a diverse, um, you know, comprehensive type of plan. Where if you if you want to lean more towards a vegan vegetarian approach, then you can do that with a Mediterranean diet, uh, where you go more with whole grains and vegetables and avocados and nuts and seeds and berries and those kind of things. And if veganism and vegetarianism just genetically does not agree with you and you feel weak or you I mean people would argue this point this is a hot topic but i don't think there's a perfect diet for everyone and so you can use that mediterranean Mediterranean approach which is sort of a whole food whole whole you know real food colorful rainbow diet um that will never fail you and so if you need to include more animal food then you do high quality uh, you know lean types of things with with little festive more you know interesting food thrown in but in moderation and the only other thing i'll throw in is that if we learned how to chew whatever food we're eating better whatever diet we choose um that would change our lives more dramatically than anything because we 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 stress our bodies so much by improper chewing so try to chew whatever you're eating better, and then your digestive organs don't get as stressed and there's less free radical production created because we all talk about free radicals and and the biggest source of free radicals is in respiration and digestion every day that we can't avoid because we have to breathe and eat. So we want to take as much stress off and you and I know this really well from our macrobiotic days that they used to put a stopwatch on the table. We chew our brown rice a hundred times. And you know, there is incredible truth to that. So chew better and then pick a diet. There is no one perfect diet. Find a diet that feels right intuitively. There's that whole intuitive eating world and just enjoy your food. I mean, this deprivation, shame, guilt thing will never work. And And if you're young and you're going through all of that, That's fair. Many people do. But as you age, let that go and just begin to find your 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 way. And uh, yeah,
0: I love that. Uh, It's like the joy of of, of eating. Um, One thing, you know, I'm glad you brought up chewing because, you know, I I, I do forget about that sometimes, although I think I naturally do chew quite a lot, probably more than most. A a couple of things that came to my mind is, what do you think about drinking liquids whilst eating? Do you drink before, do you drink after or during?
1: Oh, well, that's a really refined question because uh, I actually, you know, from, from our background, you really don't wanna drink, especially cold liquid while you're eating. And this just freaks people out because people get a big icy drink, stick it next to their meal and eat and drink. But the truth is, is if you think about it, you've got this internal 98.6, right? That's what your average temperature is. So 98.6, that's warm. So imagine you're putting in food and your your body's trying to, your brain is saying, oh, is this protein carbohydrates or fat? It's secreting um, enzymes or, or uh, hydrochloric acids so that it can begin to digest it. And if you take ice cold things and dump it on top of it, you just stop that whole process flat. So it's really a refined choice to not drink particularly cold liquid while you're eating you can have a sip before and then when you're done eating you can drink to you know satiation so till you're happy but it's very smart not to drink while you're eating
0: but it's really good to
1: breathe while you're eating it's oh definitely- yeah
0: breathing breathing <laughs> take and taking time my my stepfather he was a doctor and he always said um get up before you're full You know be about eat to about three quarters full if you would even know what that is but definitely not not keep eating until you're full because you will get full once you leave the table after you know 10 20 minutes you you know you're going to feel satiated but you might not at the moment that you leave the table and i've always remembered that you know because if i eat till i'm really full i've overeaten
1: that is incredibly true and You know, it's kind of a cruel joke that our digestive system plays on us because there's something in your body called the cephalic phase digestive response. And it's a really interesting part of your brain that decides when you've had enough, but it does kind of fall backwards by a few minutes. And so it does need a little bit of time. And one of the greatest ways to support the cephalic phase digestive response is through chewing better because as you chew, your brain is registering satiation, you know, that you have actually fulfilled this desire. So I think that's probably the hardest thing for anyone because we want to eat and many people overeat. Then as I age, I 100% feel for my personal health if I cannot overeat, I will live a lot longer. I mean, caloric restriction is scientifically proven. As you age to be the single greatest way to stay alive, reduce restrict your calories more and more. It's not easy, but again, it's because of the free radical production, of the strain on the body of the digestion. And and I think anyone knows that. I mean, you go in a grocery store and the walls of digestive AIDS. I mean, just walls mm. of it. It's astonishing. Um so yes, you're you're absolutely right. Eat till you're 85% full and just take a minute and uh, it's hard.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, and just another thing on this, and then we're going to move forward, but uh, it is just, I do notice that I, I will eat early in the evening and then I don't snack. I don't eat after. So, you know, I eat around six and, you know, hopefully take a walk afterwards, you know, just to move things along. And then I noticed that if I, if I just naturally, and this is a very natural thing, this is long before I ever heard of intermittent fasting, but I would naturally just not want to eat in the morning until I was really ready, which would be somewhere around the middle of the day. And I always felt, oh, this is, it just gives my intestines a rest because they don't need to be working all the time. And if you want to have an alert brain, you don't want to be working on digestion constantly, you know, because that takes a lot of power, um, just power. So that has worked really well for me. But it's not a denial thing, as in if I am hungry at 10 o'clock or something, I'll eat something. But generally, I find that it works if I eat around six in the evening ish. Sometimes six thirty, seven, whatever, uh, and then and then somewhere around the middle of the day, I st- I have you know maybe a KVB shake. You know, I really love the Nikan KVB shake, mm-hmm. and I put in all the good stuff: the Super Siaga, the J Zymes, I throw it all in some lactoferrin, some immunity, and and that is just a mainstay. And then in the evening, I'm really ready for a good meal, you uh-huh. know, and and I cook it fresh with lots of veggies and and yes. some, you know. Maybe well, I have beans. to say
1: that the Nikan supplemental line. Really covers all the bases. I mean, the line is beautiful. It it just is super supportive to all systems of the body. And I know that people can pick and choose which ones they want to be on. And the the shake has the MCT oil, the medium chain medium chain triglycerides. Which you know, oil is such a hot topic because there's some oils that actually keep you alive and keep your heart healthy, and there's other oils that clog your arteries and give you Alzheimer's. I mean, it's 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 so shocking that all oils are not created equal, but the shake with the pea protein and the MCT oil, it's a very well thought line. So, so I, I, I have to commend you that, you know, what you do and look, you know, you've spent your much of your life as I have studying health. And uh, I think if I had to say the single most impactful thing that I try to do, it is intermittent fasting. I do exactly what, and, and I'd never heard of that. I think that, you know, a lot of people eat their dinner and then snack all evening. And it is truly a debilitating pattern, um, if, if we could be serious for one moment. The worst way to live is to eat after dinner because you won't sleep as well you won't produce as much melatonin you your your blood is you know most heart attacks happen first thing in the morning you know because the body is laboring and it's taxing they say monday morning there's stress involved but again to eat at night and not allow the body a chance, to, as you say, just go a nice long stretch. It's a fast, it's crazy. You don't think of it that way because you think fasting, you have to go three days without food, which I never suggest typically to the average person because then they're just binging on the fourth day. You know, it's very hard to fast. Um, Intermittent fasting is brilliant. And I do it, I pretty much do it every day. And I didn't do it until a few years ago. I'm astonished how it has modulated my weight because unlike you, I've been a little heavier throughout my life. It's always, you know, I'm an an Arab by descent. You know, I fought it my whole life. And finally, as I've aged, um, this intermittent fasting, we have dinner, right, just like you, right around six. And unless something's really odd, we do not eat again. We go that, you know, 15, 16 hours, which now seems perfectly normal. I couldn't more highly suggest it to anyone listening that struggles with weight. Number one, do intermittent fasting. Uh, go do the 18, six, even the nine, 15, nine hours of eating, 15 hours of fasting. It's profound. And then start the day with a knee can shake and, uh, you know, go on from there.
0: It's so amazing, Nancy, because we never talked about this prior, right? And I didn't know that you were so into that. And I I just found that has always worked for me. And most of my life, I think I've done that without ever knowing it. It had a sort of a name, intermittent fasting. It just felt natural. It just felt natural. That's all. Yeah, but
1: you're the one. I mean, I just so vividly remember you. I'd get up and I'm like, we're we having breakfast. What are we eating for lunch? And you would never, I mean, it would kind of be the last thing on your mind you know and and I don't know if that still is for you but for me I am thinking about food and what I'm going to eat cuz I'm also a cook and I love to cook. And I know you do too, but I I sort of did it as a profession. And so food is, I mean, I'm like obsessed with food, TikTok videos, and I'm always looking at food and how I can make it healthier, but not depriving. You have to make food delicious. You know, it can't be steamed chicken breast and steamed broccoli. It's just not going to work. It has to be vital and alive and, and rich, you know, with good oils. And so, yeah
0: i love it i love it yeah we both do love cooking but um i used to teach some cooking classes but never like you did i mean i was like no this is really not my thing and you're right i don't really think about food very often actually but you know i enjoy food it's not that i don't love it no i know i just just don't think about it much and then when it comes to like five o'clock like yesterday i cooked up a storm you know of beautiful veggies i cooked some tempeh and you know used toasted sesame oil i had so much fun and coconut aminos and and you know just in some rice and brown rice it was lovely Uh, and then i really enjoy eating too and i don't worry too much but i do i do no i don't have a huge big plate i actually have quite a small plate and i think even that if i have a small plate and i fill it it's full and then i'm done right Mm -hmm. but if i had a huge plate and then would i feel compelled to fill it with food so that even that alone just the size of your plate can make that's true That's true. I did. I got rid of these big, humongous American
1: plates, you know, <laughs> it's like, and and do have a, a little more of a, because I, if like I said before, if my rebel feels deprived, I'm gonna come back and want more, you know. And this is the psychology of it. But uh, you know, I do want to point out one more thing, and that is this um, this trend where they have, you know, the the experts have labeled grains as dangerous. Uh, Grains and beans, you know, with the lectins and the, you know, the carbohydrates. And I just, I resist the the whole paleo keto premise that grains, whole grains, even white rice now, they, you know, uh, there's entire civilizations that have thrived and lived for centuries eating grains and beans. And I, I just cannot support any ideology that, promotes eliminating major food groups. So be careful with that. We're so vulnerable when, you know, when we're trying to figure out what to eat. And and again, that Mediterranean lifestyle, you know, look that up and, and really study it because to me that is, it allows for all food groups.
0: I like the Mediterranean way, actually. I do. I when I was working in Israel and stuff, I loved the food. You know, I loved the the tabbouleh and the, and the cucumber things. I don't know. It was just it was light. It never felt super heavy in my in my tummy, and uh, I, I just always enjoyed it. The olive oils and all that.
1: I yeah, I think it. you. I think that's pretty much your your diet. I think probably you,
0: is without me even.
1: Yeah, with it. the grains and beans and you know proteins and colorful vegetables
0: and nuts and seeds and berries and avocados yeah. and all oil and that's it exactly and colorful i love color so i love color in everything so i love a colorful plate if it's all brown i don't want it well let's go to the psychology part i'm so excited to learn from you about this how does it work you
1: know we've we've touched on it a little bit but but essentially um i studied with mark david who has the institute for the psychology of eating and remarkably as a man to me he's The greatest genius of um, really just understanding the psychology of how we what what makes us tick Um, and, and his famous line is that what you eat is half the story. And we've kind of been talking about that, what you eat, what what your food choices are. But the other half of the story is who you are as the eater and it's it's a delineation that opens up an enormous world of all of your thoughts and feelings and emotions and and what you bring to the table when you sit down uh to have the food it's not you know you can take two people and they can eat the same diet and and be completely different levels of health it is fascinating you could take one person who is extremely anxious, depressed, neurotic, unhealthy, paralyzed emotionally and eat, feed them a perfect, quote, diet, and they will not be able to assimilate it in a way that leads to health. And you could take someone else that is, you know, not particularly careful about what they eat, and yet they just radiate vitality. So it's complex. There is no one perfect diet and there are no one perfect set of emotions, but we must work on our, our, it's basically working with your own nervous system is what the psychology of eating is. It's that who we are as the eater makes friends with in the simplest way of looking at it. There's two parts of your nervous system, the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest side, and the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight side. So there's this calm part of your nervous system and there's this alert part of your nervous system. And you know, we have the same nervous system that that we had in prehistoric times when we were literally running from a lion. Mm -hmm. You know, like it hasn't changed. Our biochemistry is still the same as our ancestors. So unfortunately 21st century life, We live in a constant state of sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, you know, chronic adrenaline, um, never really going into the parasympathetic, the rest and digest because all healing happens, all digestion happens in the parasympathetic response. So if you go to the table or you're sitting on your laptop and you're typing away and you're eating, you're not going to digest your food in the same way. So in that way, the psychology of eating is saying, it doesn't matter what you eat. It matters who you are coming to the table as the eater. And, and, and I say both of them have to kind of come together. So just learn. And and so I'll, I'll stop talking just, just one more point, And that is, how do you go from this stressed out, sympathetic adrenaline pumping to a rest and digest person is through the breath. And so breathing is the fastest and only way to go from sympathetic to parasympathetic, to take, to sit at the table and take five deep relaxing breaths, Mm -hmm. immediately begins to take the blood out of here in the periphery and bring it into the digestive organs, which you're about to need. As you were saying, you know, Julie, went earlier in the call, you're, you want your blood to be in the digestive organs when you start your eating. So yes. that rest and relaxation digestive response. Does that mm. make sense?
0: Yes, it's actually really good. It's actually, it's interesting. I was just studying something on voice coaching yesterday and it was talking so much about breath so much about breath. and I'm like, yeah, I'm don't breathe very deeply and just really letting the abdomen, you know, expand as you inhale and just the, the whole natural thing that should happen like babies. And I'm thinking with food, you know, before dinner, like it's that moment. It's probably, you know, part of the, re, you know, part of the grace ideas is, you know, you you sit mm. and you kind of calm down and you hold hands maybe or not or whatever. And you just, you know, say thank you for the food. And, all good things and you just take that moment and, and just sort of calm breathing before you, you it, it just gives you that mindfulness and presence to what you're about to do which is eat your meal that is giving you life it's giving you life exactly you know we die without food water air you know these things are our natural nutrients and so I like this a lot. So, so, so go, go tell, tell me more because I want to know like are there different types of people that have different sort of different psychological viewpoints of eating, um, you know, something that, that what you just said. Um, well, you know, there's so many personality
1: styles. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, sort of a frenetic kind of, you know, once I'm moving, I'm, you know, I'm a multitasking, which I don't think multitasking as much as we pride ourselves on it is actually a very healthy thing for the brain. I think they've started to show now that it kind of screws your circuitry up a little bit to try to do too many things at once. And I can be guilty of that. So there are other people that are just super calm people, you know, and and I think you're kind of one of them, Julie, in that, you know, you know how you go out to dinner with 10 people and everybody's talking and eating and there's always that one person who at the end still has food on their plate and they're still sitting there eating? Be that person. That's really the the, the thing is that, you know, you want to be the person who's calm, who's chewing, who's relaxing. Now, it gets pretty deep, especially for women in that, I think a lot of times women suffer from, you know, guilt over their food choices. And if they're going to eat like a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, which they you know think, oh, I really shouldn't be eating this, but I'm going to eat it. They sit down and they just eat it really fast because somehow if they're eating it so fast, then it, it's gone and they're, you know, don't do that. If you're going to have your special food, you know, um, ritualize it, so to speak enjoy it, light a candle, savor it, slow down. I think that, you know, he wrote a book called The Slow Down Diet and it's an incredible book because it it talks about our life, not our food. You know, we're talking about how we show up at the table again is the most primary way to do self care. And then of course, what we eat also is critical, which we talked about earlier. Um, so again, multiple personalities all trying to do the same thing, have health, have wellness, increase our life, not just to live longer, but not to be in pain, not to be suffering, not to always have stomach pain or, or joint pain because you know, food inflammation, and that's the one thing we haven't talked about, <laughs> you know, inflammation is really death, um, because. It interferes not just with our joints and our hair and our nails and our skin, but it interferes with our brain and our emotions and our our ability to be happy, vital people. So, keeping inflammation down affects our our ourself in in every way. And how do we do that? We do that by incorporating a vibrant, healthy, whole foods diet. And by sitting down to enjoy it in a way that is calm, cool, and collected. And it, it's it's a mirror, it's a marriage of those two things. Um, and look, life is complicated. When you have two kids and everybody's screaming and yelling, but try to make that important, you know, the sitting down at the table and everybody taking a breath. And I love what you said about the prayer being kind of that's, you know, kind of historically the way we do that. Um, I urge people to take something beautiful like a crystal or something that they notice and put it on their table. And so that because a lot of times clients will say to me, oh, at the end of the meal, I remembered I was supposed to chew, you know, and you just forget. Yes. But to put something really beautiful and that, that you'll notice on your table to be your trigger to calm down.
0: I like this because it's sort of like, it's ritualizing it, which I think yes. we used to have, you know, family dinners and nobody on a cell phone texting across the table or whatever, you know, just like family time connecting, you know, relaxing and enjoying, Yeah. You know, really relishing the food. And, and what you mentioned earlier was so interesting to me about, about you know, when people might be eating something that they think they shouldn't and they're mm. wolfing it down and it's kind of like well if if I don't see it no, nobody will know I ate it and I won't know I ate it but of course you know you've wolfed it <laughs> down you it's in your tummy but it, it's an interesting thing that makes me think about the amount of guilt and the amount of shame, I, I think mm-hmm. particularly with women, uh, this comes mm-hmm. up a lot, uh, around weight management in mm-hmm. general. You know, there's just so much of it and this uh, this sad thing about women comparing with other women which mm. is so detrimental because we're all different. Like you said, you know, you come from a, an Arab heritage. I come from a Celtic heritage, you know, and there are certain foods like that I still love. I mean, English, England isn't known for its cuisine, that's for sure. But, <laughs> but you know, garden peas, when they're fresh, garden peas, I mean, I love them, you know, because I grew up with that, you know, and they're probably not the healthiest of all the greens and I eat all the other greens, but sometimes I just want peas. Maybe. oh julie
1: i think you can have all the peas you want
0: <laughs> you know peas are just fun and they're fun to eat and they skip around the plate um but yeah this guilt and shame that mm. that we suffer from and it's not just with with weight and with what we eat or whatever it's 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 ubiquitous right it goes into all other areas of i mean the people i've, I've just been watching some films on uh uh i watched bohemian rhapsody and then i watched the elton john uh, rocket man last night Amen. and you know the the people i get envious of are the people that just are full-on self-expressed they have no they they're just like this is who i am and they're doing it through music and the arts because that's of course you know my my background is the arts and performing and they're the ones I'll compare with, you know, unfavorably mm. like, oh, they've got that talent. I don't have that. Ta- I don't know how to write songs. And then the smile was like, maybe I do know how to write songs. And I'm just telling myself, I don't know how to write songs, mm. you know, mm-hmm. what is that about? And so this shame and guilt thing can come in, in so many ways. But I think for women, uh. it's a lot to do with, with this whole issue of what we look like. Um, what, what would you say about all this? Uh. We're human beings. We're never
1: going to get around the. Um, you know, I spent much of my youth with blatant self-loathing. I mean, I I suffered a lot. I really did. And I I guess you you learn what you you learn and teach what you need to learn and embody for yourself. And it's been a a, a painful, enlightening, inspiring journey for me personally. Um, and that's why I think I I do the work that I do because I can really relate. Um, I I see. I'll put it this way. We're never ever going to, as human beings, we're fallible and we're always going to compare ourselves in some ways to others and we're going to yearn for things we don't have. It's just part of life. And yet, there's huge growth that can happen. I'll, I'll tell you my favorite archetype uh, moment. And that is that we start out as women and we're the princesses. And the princess is all about look at me what do you think about me you know looking outward for all of your validation and it's beautiful i mean you see young women and they're just so vital and young and flawless and yet so insecure in many ways and then as we age we become the queen and the queen sits regally on her throne and bestows her wisdom and allows people to come towards her but doesn't take what she doesn't want and and I try to really embody as I'm aging now this archetype of the princess and the queen because you know there's always going to be a little princess in me that that cares what other people think but I want to take all of that energy that the princess throws out into the world that's painful in many ways and and turn it in as the queen and and utilize it to do self-care, to really sit down when I have a meal and when I enjoy it and chew it and savor it and realize that it literally becomes me. You know, you are what you eat, all these little things. It's true. And to be incredibly kind to ourselves, you know, self-care, self-love, just allowing the imperfections to be what they are, and embody self love you know i think ultimately is the only soothing answer as as we move through this life as human beings we're not angelic we're humans and humans struggle and yet the struggle can be made brilliant and that's what i pray for every day just just guide me to to you know to love myself enough to get out of my own way, to to be of service to others.
0: I l- I love this, Nancy. I think this message is so so critical. You know, and 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 actually, having just watched Rocket Man last night, I mean, Elton John's issues were, were about self-loathing. And this is why he got so lost in alcohol and drugs, and, oh. and you know, almost died. You know. Self- and, and now, and now he's, because uh, I watched a follow-up sort of interview with him, uh, you know, uncensored interview, and it was just beautiful to see him so in his, you know, kingship, queenship, whatever, you know, that place of where he just, you could tell he lo- he loved himself. And yes. he finally found a mate, you know, that was the right mate that, that, that also that was able to be that reciprocity. And it was, it was really, really touching to see that the struggle was so much about the self-loathing and i think many of us can relate to that i certainly know i can um you know through ballet and and i mean literally to the point where i was going to cut off parts of my body in order to mm-hmm. be you know the dysmorphia that happens you know where which is you know when you when you really think your body is 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 wrong mm-hmm. and, and it isn't and you're mm-hmm. you're commit you're you that's all you can see is is and and I, I remember i tried to persuade the surgeon to, to do these surgeries and he was like i don't want to you've made perfectly your body's perfect and i i did such a song and dance about you know figuratively speaking you know about <laughs> why i needed th- these surgeries yeah. and then my mother wouldn't let me because i was 17. by the time i was 18 the penny dropped and i was like there's nothing wrong with my body mm-hmm. nothing wrong with my body i've just i've just got this warped idea from all these years of, of ballet so I know what it looks like, feels like. I know how crazy making it, it can be, um, you know, from that point of view. So we all we all struggle and we are all human. And I love this message of, of just coming home and self-love and not worrying, you know, about what others uh, Think I was actually went dancing the other night and there was a gentleman there who was, his body was moving. I was like, do you dance? And he was like, no, I haven't danced in 15 years. And I was like, well, I'm really safe if you want to come dancing. I said, are you worried about what people think? And he said, yes. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't care at all what people think. I just go up there and dance. I just have fun. My body's happy to do that. And so he actually came up and danced and afterwards he said, thank you so much. So <laughs> 15 years. Sweet. So sweet, right? But you know how we limit ourselves because of that, you know, outward focus. What will you think of me or whatever, you know, and Mm -hmm. people are going to like you and people aren't going to like you. And we're all going to have that happen. Right. I mean, you know, we're not for everyone. And yet we are for the right ones. We are for the right ones. And we we have to be
1: for ourselves. Be for ourselves.
0: Correct. Correct. Wow, Nancy, thank you so much. Is is there any last words that you want to give us on this whole amazingly deep topic that we're just scratching the surface of? No, I just want to say hello
1: to all the Nikan distributors because um, I love the products and I love trying to help people live healthier lives, you know, and uh, I I appreciate the mission. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate our long,
0: enduring friendship. And uh, yeah, here's to health. Here's to health and vitality. You've always been such a great personification model of somebody who lives a vibrant life. And I love that, I, I love many, many things about you and I love that about you. And I know you love to serve and I also love to serve, that we love to just help our world be better, happier, more vibrant. And, and also, age beautifully and gracefully <laughs> and confidently. That is not a bad thing. Aging is not a bad thing. It's, nah. it's, a, it's a wonderful It's better than not, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's better than the alternative.
0: Exactly. This has been wonderful, Nancy. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for your time, for your dedication to health and wellness in our world and for helping us um, really come back home to our own heart and and love ourselves because quintessentially that's where it's at.
1: Thank you, thank you, total pleasure.
0: Great, and thank you everyone for listening. I hope you got as much out of this as I certainly did. I'm learning a lot here and uh, please do subscribe to the podcast on spotify google podcast apple podcast we also put it on the nikon international youtube channel please subscribe to that and hit that notification bell so that you get notified when we upload new videos and i hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk very soon bye for now